My sisters and brothers, the Lord be with you. The reading from the Holy Gospel written to us by John. Amen, amen, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Whoever loses his life, whoever loves his life, loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there also will my servant be. The Father will honor whoever serves me. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, and thank you all for being here. For so many decades, our family has gathered in this church celebrating baptisms and First Communions and confirmations and weddings and so many Eucharistic celebrations. And as time has moved on, we all knew this day would come, where we would gather here together as a family, surrounded by friends, to give thanks for the life of mom, to mourn her death, and to celebrate her new life with Christ. So I think one of the hardest lessons we learn is that life and death always coexist. As was witnessed this past Friday when mom's sixth grandchild, great-great-grandchild, I should say, was born in the south of France. And by the end of the day, mom was called home. This paradox of life and death is woven through our lives and our faith. As we heard in the second reading, when mom was baptized, she died to who she was. And through the waters of baptism, she was reborn as a disciple of Christ. Out of death came new life. Ninety years since then, surrounded by the same sacramental signs of baptism, the paschal candle, the pall, the white cloth over her, clothing her in Christ, and of course, the sacramental signs of the waters of baptism. Reminds us mom has now died to this temporary and brief life we all live in, is now reborn into a new and eternal life with Christ. It's the same message Christ was giving to his disciples in this gospel story I just read. Listening to the parable of the grain of wheat, his rural audience easily understood the principle of resurrection produced by dead seeds being sown into the earth. It's a reminder that all of us will need to die to our current convictions and ideas and egos, and then eventually die to our lives in this world so that we can be reborn into the kingdom of God. See, Mom knew this, maybe better than most, as was witnessed in her own version of this gospel in what I call the parable of the milkweed seed. As you may know, Mom and Dad enjoy their summers boating and fishing in Cape May. And mom especially loved to sit on the beach talking and talking (laughs) and talking to all her friends. And with Cape May being a central corridor to the migration of butterflies who feed on milkweed, mom decided one day to cast milkweed seeds in the sand and the rocks across the street from us in the seawall. Well, the terrain she chose really made it difficult for this plant to ever take hold. But sure enough, with patience and time, 
the sprouts of the milkweed plant finally began to show. But soon after, Hurricane Sandy showed up, and with it, the ocean waters came rushing over the seawall, wiping out everything in its path, including the milkweed sprouts, or so we thought. But the following spring, there it was, bigger and better than ever before, the orange milkweed plant. See, I doubt one could find a better metaphor for mom's life. For like that milkweed plant, throughout the storms and chaos that mom faced in her life, her roots were anchored in the rock of her faith. Seeing God's presence in family and friends and bringing beauty and nourishment to everyone in her life. Perhaps the best example of how she did this was through the grace of hospitality. At home, it was said to have been a rarity to only have the family gathered at a meal, for all were welcome. Neighbors and friends would always be joining in whatever food there was. Mom always ensuring there was always room for one more, well, at least most of the time. You see, these past few weeks, when she started admitting to things that she probably didn't want to admit to, she did say she was praying over her daughter's boyfriends most of the time in order to get rid of them. <laughs> so Dave, Jim, Charlie, Dave, and I seemed to be the lucky ones who made it despite any possible prayers Mom may have been saying at that time. But indeed, prayers were central to Mom, as was this church we're sitting in. This was her second home. And she breathed life into the community, reaching out to all those who needed help. Often we'd be sitting on the beach with her and she would announce, well, I gotta go, I gotta go back home. And we'd go like, why are you going back home? Well, I have altar linens to iron <laughs> and I have to get some old ladies to the doctor. And we'd go, mom, you are an old lady. <laughs> but off she would go nary a complaint, showing her colors, feeding others, caring for those in need, anchored like that milkweed plant in her rock of faith. Then on July 9th, the diagnosis of glioblastoma was given, and unfortunately, our family already has experience with this type of cancer, so we knew what to expect, only to find out what we never expected. But before I go there, it's probably the best place to pause and acknowledge with gratitude and incredible, the, the incredible coordination of love and service by Patrick and Annie and Teresa and Alice and Mary and Helene. And so many loving grandchildren and great-grandchildren, as well as a bevy of caregivers, um, as well as neighbors and friends. The stories we heard last night were stories we, we never were aware of of all the things that mom did that all the love and comfort you've brought mom and dad and this entire family has been incredible. Each with your own gifts and graces, all of you gave mom the greatest demonstration of love possible, your presence. So once our family received the diagnosis, everyone adjusted their schedules as flights were booked and Airbnb reservations made, and we took turns gathering around mom as we watched a steady decline in the ensuing weeks. But what we didn't expect was as the brain cancer began to shut her mind down, it opened her up to what the Irish call the thin places. 
See, the Celtics say that heaven and earth are separated by only three feet. But when you calm your mind and you listen to your heart and soul, allowing your spiritual side to come forefront and thus open your eyes to God's presence, the distance between the two worlds becomes very thin. It's said that one can then walk between both worlds where the difference is indiscernible, where something is felt versus seen, where truth abides, where love is the foundation, and where one feels connected with something, someone much greater. Perhaps you felt brief moments of being in a thin place with the birth of a child, or the embrace of a loved one, or a moment of great beauty in nature. But for mom, as the cancer continued to rob her of her daily cognitive thoughts, her stories and quips made it clear that she was spending more and more time experiencing thing moments. It began with her telling us that when she was waking from her sleep, she kept hearing a voice inviting her to say, that was saying, come, fish with me. For she had already described to us that heaven will be like a great sea filled with plenty of fish to catch. And that when she dies, she knows that her dad, Alice Samaska, and Father Pantel will be there to introduce her to Jesus. We reminded her, though, that she will need no introduction to Jesus, for she's always known and seen Jesus in others. But throughout her stories, you could still sense mom's great fear about dying. But then something happened on Saturday, July 27th. As our family well knows, mom's granddaughter, Elena, was due to give birth to her first son due around August 10th, another great-grandchild for mom. But by the morning of the 27th, Elena was in full labor two weeks early. And around 4 p.m. that afternoon, Elena gave birth to Kai, the one I've been walking around holding as much as I can. And at the same time, a few miles away, mom was waking from her nap, from spending time in those thin moments. And later she described to us a dream that she had. She says she had this vision of a swaddling baby lying on her wheelchair ramp and telling her to have courage, to not be afraid. She went on to say, I passed them in the night and saw that he is coming and that I am going. I was afraid of my terminal cancer at first, but then so many prayers came, so God took care of that, and he sent Kai to help me. But if that wasn't enough, you have to take a little bit deeper look at this story and reflect on Kai's name. See, his full name is Kairos. It's the Greek word for time. It's different than the Greek word for time, chronos. You see, chronos is that chronological time, one moment after another moment. It's what we think of as time. But kairos, kairos means a deep time. It represents those moments where you say, oh my God, this is it. Or this is as perfect as it can be. Or this one moment is summing up the last years of my life. Things like that when, where time comes to a fullness, where the stars seem to be in alignment, when all the dots are connected. See, for mom, the gift of Kai and of her Kairos moment 
brought a great deal of peace to her. That's a peace she wants us to take with us this day. For it is a day that we mourn her passing from this life to the next. But it's a time for us to remember her life and to remember the sacred journey of these past months where we witnessed her faith in the face of death. Soon we're gonna lay mom to rest and we'll head back to our homes and our daily lives, richer for her being part of our lives, but still carrying the loss of her physical presence. So what do we do? Well, first she wants us to smile and not to cry. And that's the poem she chose for the back of her prayer card. And after that, I think we should follow the sage advice mom wanted to be shared with everyone today through the readings that she chose and her encounters with thin moments. Namely, to use the words of St. Francis de Sales, be who you are and be that perfectly well. Be yourself, not who others expect or want you to be, but who you are in Christ, who you were created by God who loves you unconditionally, God who has you engraved in the palm of his hand. Next, be gentle and kind to yourself. and Be at peace with God or whatever name you want to give your creator and never cease to look for that divine presence all around you by being present to the one who you are with every moment of every day. And lastly, be at peace with silence and stillness. Make time to quiet your mind and your body. For when you do, you may find yourself in one of those thin moments where those who have gone before us, those who continue to love us, those who are still present to us are there. And where you may just hear a voice calling out to you, come, come fish with me. Indeed, mom and all of us, we're blessed with many years to see the fruit of the seeds that she sh sh sowed her whole life come to fulfillment in so many ways. So I invite you to continue to teach and to love and to mentor our children and grandchildren and all those who come into our lives using the gifts God has given us in ways, frankly, we may the one who rests easily with a view of a newfound, fish-filled, wide open sea, embraced by God's arms, being more of God through this mutual and unfathomable and never-ending love, a love that is always present to you and me, the same love that now brings our mom to a place that has been prepared for her by our good and gracious God.